When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the PGA Tour started uh, late last year. Of course, they have an odd season where it uh, finishes one week and basically starts the next with the Tournament of Champions uh, also involved. Uh, But uh, this weekend, uh, it's a biggie. It's a big one because uh, they go to the TPC Scottsdale for the Phoenix Open, and the purse for that is $20 million. Yeah, $20 million. Uh, Meanwhile, in the DP World Tour uh, in Europe, our eyes are focused firmly on Ryan Fox and Daniel Hillier as they uh, fly the flag for Kiwi golfers everywhere and our favourite golf analyst is back for 2023. You can find him on Twitter at Deep Dive Golf. Of course, it's uh, David Bileski. Uh, G'day, David. Uh, Happy New Year to you from my point of view anyway. Uh, Interesting year ahead. uh, With um, Let's start with the DP Tour, shall we, with two viable prospects on there now with uh, Ryan Fox and uh, Daniel Hillier and Ryan Fox having a, a reasonable start. Morning, Smithy. Yes, Happy New Year to you too. If we can, um, if we can still say that on the eighth of February. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, exciting, exciting start to the to the DP World Tour. Um, you know, the the DP World Tour schedule is quite interesting, and in the fact that you start with two flagship events um, in the Abu Dhabi um, Championship and the Dubai Desert Classic. Both of those are Rolex Series events, which there are only five of in the entire season for the DP World Tour, and they really hit the ground running with two of those events in the Middle East um, straight off. Um, look, um, a pretty decent start from Ron Fox, I'd agree. Um, the Dubai Desert Classic 20th was particularly impressive. I know that on the Sunday that he was um, suffering from a stomach bug and, and described it as one of the toughest rounds of his life, um, managing to shoot one over. So in the quality of field that we saw with you know, some really flagship players and obviously a bit of controversy around Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed as well, to still finish 20th in that calibre of field just really speaks to where Ryan Fox's game is at this stage, you know, dealing with, with illness and still able to finish that high up in that quality field um, is, is pretty exciting. Um, obviously exciting having Daniel Hillier on the on the DP World Tour um, this year as well. Um, obviously he managed a, a win um, towards the end of last year on the, the lower um, Challenge Tour, uh, which was at the Swiss Challenge. He managed to win that event and has now made that step up. Um, he managed to make the cup cut in Abu Dhabi. Um, a couple of the different starts since then um, in and the UAE at the Dubai Desert Classic of Marathon Climate, but I'm excited to see how his game develops. You know, bear in mind, Daniel Hilly is only only 24 um, at this stage, so he's still right at the, the beginning of his career and, and interesting to see um, how he progresses. Right, let's uh, look at uh, the PGA and a real return to form for Justin Rose with a comfortable victory in the end. It uh, took till, um, what, Monday morning our time or Tuesday morning our time to settle it. Uh, at the ATT Pebble Beach, which seems to maybe have lost a bit of its gloss. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I've, I've been really interested going into this year to see how the schedule sort of shapes up. Obviously, the PGA Tours announced these um, elevated events for this, this year where the top 25 players uh, have agreed that we will meet it at 
basically every single one of these elevated events and create more opportunities where we get to see the Rory McIlroy's and the John Rams of the world compete against each other. And my fear with it was that some of these events like the Pebble Beach and, you know, some of these, you know, the John Deere Classics and some of these other, you know, reg- regular PGA Tour events, but not with those elevated purses, would see a weakening of field. And I think we did experience that that last week. Um, now, the Pebble Beach program has been for a while struggling to to build decent fields. I, I think part of that is the pro-am element. You know, you, you are getting paired with celebrities, you're getting paired with, um, with amateur golfers, and that does result in rounds that are four, five, six hours long as a result of that. So as a professional golfer, that can be quite disruptive in terms of your schedule and your process um, entering a tournament like that. Um, and you, you've often seen when PGA the PGA have been granting exemptions, for example, they granted an exemption for Adam Scott to go and play the Saudi International on the Asian Tour. Um, the condition of that was that he would play the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in the next three years. So they, they have been trying to boost the field via um, mechanisms like that. But the, with the elevated schedule, one thing I was really hoping, and I still hope might happen, is that there's, there's some key, key flagship events that we know are going to be part of that elevated schedule. You know, We know that the Genesis Invitational is always going to be part of that elevated schedule. We know the Phoenix Open is always going to be part of that elevated schedule. And there's about four tournaments that, that we, we're sort of not sure where they're going to fit in terms of the elevated schedule. And I would love to see those four rotate. I would love to see those four sort of dip in and dip out from some of these other events. So take the elevated schedule to John Deere Classic and let's go and see Rory and Hovland and Morikawa battle out around there. Or let's go to Pebble Beach and sort of see them play on that iconic course or the Farmers Insurance Open and see them play at Torrey Pines. So um, I would love to see and I hope that eventually down the line that's what this elevated schedule develops into where we see it rotate around some of these other courses a little bit more. Interesting. Uh, I, I didn't quite realise until I, I did a little bit of homework here that Rose at 42 uh, is the oldest PGA Tour winner since Mickelson won the PGA at the age of 50, and that was back in 2021. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you can call 42 old, um, that's not promising for the rest of us, is it? But I guess in terms of the professional golfer, uh, you, you are getting towards that to that age. And, um, you know, with, with Pebble Beach, the the... There's three courses in rotation at Pebble Beach. They've got Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill and Monterey Peninsula and they rotate between those three courses and then play the final round at Pebble Beach. But all of them are incredibly short. They're all 7,000 yards or thereabouts, um, which for a PGA Tour um, course is is a shorter course. So you can see some of these golfers like Justin Rose, who has an excellent short game um, and, and great iron play on his day, be able to compete at these sort of events. We've seen... For example, like Matt Kuchar, who's um, who's 45, you know, players like that have had success at some of these courses where uh, distance is, is less of a factor. You know, we can't we can't expect these golfers to go to Torrey Pines where it's 7,400 yards plus and incredibly penal off the tee. I um, expect them to be able to compete against someone like Roy McIlroy, who's regularly driving over 320 yards. Looks like we uh, might have lost Are you there? Uh, David Bileski. He's back there. Sorry, David, we, we lost you for a second. You are just talking about uh, the no dimensions problem. of uh, Pebble Beach. 
Yes, I was just saying that the Pebble Beach and the three other courses there are, are quite a bit shorter, so they're, they're all around 7,000 yards. So it's it's not unusual to see a player who's got elite approach play and excellent short game um, be able to compete around that those sort of courses. Um, so it rotates between Pebble Beach, Monterey Peninsula and Spyglass Hill, the final round played on on Pebble Beach there. Uh, but we can't, we can't expect a Justin Rose or a Matt Kuchar to go to Torrey Pines, which is playing over 7,400 yards, narrow fairways. You really have got to be driving the ball over 320 and straight in order to be really competitive on a course like that. Let's look at uh, another concept um, before we get on to possibilities for the Phoenix Open, because I know you will have looked at that. Uh, the TGL. Tell us a wee bit about the TGL, which is fronted by Tiger Woods and, and Rory McIlroy, which Billy Horschel and Max Homer have just been announced as joining into. Yeah, so th- so this is sort of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, alongside those those enhanced events of, you know, the sort of spectacles of golf, and, and we've seen with, like, the gaming industry and the way that that's flourished and people are watching esports now that, that we are looking for, like, new, short snappy kind of ways to engage with sports products so I am I am interested how to to see how it develops I, I guess my interest is still in those those flagship tournaments and those four round kind of events of seeing who's going to make the cut and who's going to finish towards the top of the leaderboard, especially in those enhanced events but it's certainly a nice to have and I think especially if we can get some of these players mic'd up you know we can hear some of the banter in the chat and I, I think with for example the match which is is now in its sixth or seventh um um, addition, some of that banter that you see between the different players of, of um, sort of casual heckles, which I know being a wicketkeeper, Smithy, you always appreciate a good heckle. Um, yep. You know, seeing some of that dynamic between the players um, could be quite entertaining. Right, so uh, it's a bit of a, a novelty thing, anything, but um, uh, the Phoenix Open for $20 million. Having said that, uh, the novelty of uh, the, the layout here and the fan engagement uh, makes this week pretty special. It is most most attended golf tournament on the PGA Tour, um, and it is it is uh, the People's Open. Uh, it really is. It's an entertaining watch, um, especially of course the iconic 16th green stadium format, where you've just got tens of thousands of people surrounding the green. I think we all remember Tiger Woods having a hole in one there, and the the crowd just absolutely losing it. Um, it, it is a really iconic course with an amazing atmosphere, and, and I think it, it's it's interesting in terms of the type of players that I think are going to thrive in that environment. You know, you think of someone like Tom Kim, who we've seen at the Presidents Cup, you know, turning to the crowd and saying, you know, I can't hear you, and and really um, riling them up. You know, he may thrive in this kind of environment where you've got these these. Uh, these sort of raucous spectators have been there rushing uh, to get their seats since 6am and um, yeah, it's, it's always an entertaining event so especially just it's interesting that the strength of this field is so high, I mean this is the the calibre of field we'd expect to see at the majors or the WGC match player, it, it's at that kind of standard in terms of the players because it is an elevated event and because of the prize person offer so I think it's a, it's going to be a must watch and, a must watch and I'm, I'm super excited to see how it plays out Well I, I know we've uh, we've got to catch up with you uh, at uh, Deep Dive Golf um, to, to get your insights on there but I, I just wonder with the strength of the field and and um, you know that type of atmosphere where players do thrive is there value for money in, in any of them 
Yeah, I do think so. I, I, I do think that if we're going to down the board a little bit, you might find some value. I, I don't think you're gonna gonna find much value in in the John Rahm and the McElroys. I, I think that you know both of them are probably pretty fairly priced in terms of your selections. Um, they go both in terms of fantasy sports, going to be pretty high owned as well. I think th- this is being sort of touted as as a matchup between those two and and probably rightly so i think of the last 12 tournaments in the world they've between the two of them they've won half of them so that they're really operating at just another level at the moment um i I think if we look down the board a little bit someone like shane lowry i think is value at the moment um i've seen him in places at 70 to one i think that's just far too far too long for for a golfer of that caliber um then yeah, this, this course as well, it does have a good history of if you've played well here before, that is a fairly good predictor of success in the future. And that's not the same at every course, but this does tend to be pretty correlated in terms of previous course form. So someone who has excellent course form here is Andrew Shoffley, and um, you can find him in sort of 15 to 17s. Um, but yeah, make sure that, that you are following me on Twitter at Deep Dive Golf or joining Win Daily Sports, where we've got a promotion at the moment for um, US 5.99 per week. Um, you'll find all my selections in there um, and yeah we're, we've had a fantastic run we've had a, a top five at every single um, tournament so far on the PGA Tour this year Brilliant absolutely brilliant return on your money I would imagine as well uh, just got a, a text in to say what about Danny Lee no one ever talks about him 10 years on the PGA Tour well uh, he, he just um, looks like he's in one of those seasons where his best bet is to try and hang on to that 125 somehow yeah, I mean, actually, I think you and I, Smithy, talked about Danny Lee for, for quite some time uh, towards the end of last mm. year at our season recap, and we covered him quite extensively. Um, look, I, I'm actually starting to see some signs that Danny Lee's game might be trending in the right direction. He had, a, he had a 16th at the American Express and a 21st at the RSM Classic to sort of start the season. Those are slightly shorter courses, and, and Danny Lee's not the longest off the tee, so I do think he needs to find a spot like that. I'm not sure that this sort of environment or this sort of course would be the right sort of fit for him. I'd rather be looking at a course more on the, the 7,000-yard kind of mark um, for Danny Lee really to make a mark. Um, and I mentioned to you last year when, when we talked about him that I, I followed him for a little bit at the Shriners Ch- um, Children's Open over in um, Las Vegas. Um, he, he has been struggling around the greens, particularly with the putter. That's often a sign of a player lacking a bit of confidence. Danny Lee, though, is one of those players who can just turn up at a tournament and suddenly surprise everyone, and he did that at the Greenbrier Classic. So, you know, like, I'm, I'm really hopeful that he can refine that form of Ben Spider, but he's, he's starting to find his irons again, which is promising. Um, so I'm interested to keep an eye on him, and I, I think he's one to watch, and you might find him at longer odds pop, popping up at a, pop, at a spot or two later in the year. Right, with um, LIV golfers at this stage not able to accrue ranking points um, in the competition, uh, Cameron Smith has already slipped down to fourth in the world golf rankings, uh, likely to go further down without lack of competition as well. But that brings me to an interesting point because as we speak, uh, Live Golf is now officially having their day in arbitration against the DP World Tour in a court in London where I believe Lee Westwood is one of the players lined up to testify in that. Uh, what do you make of that? Yeah, look, I, I mean, this was this was always going to end up in the courts. I think. I mean, what I, what I would liken it to is if if you had any other business anywhere else in the world, if you you wouldn't expect to be able to go and work for your competitor when it suits you. 
any, anyone else in any other industry would think that was absolutely outrageous that I can work for one employer and then whenever it suits me, whenever it tickles my fancy, I'll pop over to a direct competitor of mine and go and work there as well. Yeah, that, that wouldn't make sense anywhere else in the world. So I, I'm interested to see how the court court uh, progresses through this process. I, I know with the DP World Tour that they had a temporary stay, which meant that it would go to a full court hearing. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't a ruling in favour of Liv. That was just saying there is a case to be heard, which is fair enough. I do believe there is a case to be heard. Um, I, I do still think that a lot of that power lies with the DP World Tour and with the TGI Tour. They're, they're very established in the world of golf. They, they have been for, for nearly 100 years or over 100 years. Um, and, and they're the mainstays of the tour. They're, they're not denying these players from, from keeping their PGA Tour cards. They've made a conscious choice to, to go and pursue other opportunities elsewhere. And quite often they've argued that the reason why they want to go and play for Live Golf is that they'll be able to play golf for less. Well, as it turns out, a lot of these golfers actually want to play quite a bit more golf. Um, so, you know, their, their arguments aren't really um, lining up in the moment in terms of that as well. So I, I am interested to see what comes of it. I'd be I'd be disappointed, I think, if they, they were allowed to pick and choose to jump between the two and keep their contracted live and then just pop in and, um, you know, take spots from people who have remained loyal to the DP World Tour, loyal to the PGA Tour, um, and take spots in those fields from players who are who are regularly contributing and appearing on those events. Um but we'll you know, it, it is a matter for the courts and, and we'll have to see how it develops from there. Under sixty days to uh the Masters, David. Um and I I, I kinda think uh, you know it's a very special time. All the players will have received their official invitations in the mail or uh, by <coughs> uh by email or, or some form anyway, but uh this far out is that the kind of tournament you could see Ryan Fox doing very well in? Uh, yes. Yes. Look, the, the the one pitfall that Ryan Fox is going to face at Augusta National is that it is a course that has a very high correlation to having played there previously and played there well to then being able to go and win the Masters. So being a debutante um, is a slight negative towards his chances. But what I would say is that Augusta National is a driver's paradise. You need to be long off the tee. You've got plenty of space off the tee as well. The fairways at Augusta are are fairly wide, which for Ryan Fox is also a positive, and we've seen what he can do with his approach play lately. So I am really excited to see his prospects there and at the Open Championship. I think those are probably his best two um, chances at the majors this year. Um, you know, and I do think that he could possibly be a dark horse. Um, he's got a good history of the Dubai Desert Classic as well, which is that, that tournament I mentioned where um, he suffered a little bit of illness but still managed to finish 20th. And the, the Dubai Desert Classic has got a strange correlation with the Masters and the fact that Danny Willett won the Dubai Desert Classic of the year he won the Masters. Sergio Garcia won the Dubai Desert Classic of the, one, the year that he won the Masters. So um, perhaps there's a good sign for Rory McIlroy finally completing that Grand Slam um, this year, having just won um, in Dubai. Um, but Ryan Fox has got a very good record at, at the Dubai Desert Classic, and, and that's another course where it demands uh, great approach play off um, with your second shot, it demands distance off the tee and accuracy with your driver as well, and it's really a ball striker's paradise, which is the key factors that we look at Augusta National. So I, I'm quietly hopeful that we can see um, Ryan Fox towards the, the top of the leaderboard. It, it may be a bridge too far, the fact that he hasn't played there before, but I'm really hopeful with his chances. I think it's, it's one of the best spots for him. 
So just finally, David, um, just those two places where we can follow you, please. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive Golf or on Wind Daily Sports, so winddailysports.com. Um, and as I mentioned, we've got a promotion at the moment, um, US $5.99 per week for all my tips, analysis, and premium articles as well. Cool. Uh, David Valeski, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we'll catch up with you, certainly thanks, before Billy. the Masters. Uh, cheers. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's 11.23 here on SENZ.